0: Hello and welcome to Film Festival Reviews, a place where independent filmmakers and film lovers stop by and listen in to what's happening in and around the film festival circuit worldwide. This is Christina Kotlar, your host, and I'm still hanging around in my proverbial backyard New York City this summer. Long summer days turn into busy summer nights, and this past weekend started out with opening night for the animation show, number four, a touring festival of short films curated by Mike Judge, animator of Beavis and Butthead and King of the Hill. This is a feature-length theatrical compilation in its fourth year. About 80 minutes of quick turns and short bursts of unrepressed and wicked senses of humor that made me laugh out loud. Do you know how to play oranges? You'll learn after Psychotown. You'll also learn how to calm an angry, unpaid hooker, cook up Western spaghetti with whatever is at hand, no matter what it is, pick up sticks, dice, and anyway, this is what you cook with. And my favorite, a still unnamed doggy hero, Wannabe, in Hot Dog, and I quote from a New York Times review, the latest from the animation superstar Bill Plimpton, in which a plump little dog eager to ingratiate himself with the fire department inadvertently urinates gasoline on a lovingly hand-drawn conflagration. This is going on at the IFC Center downtown still this week. Get a chance, go see it, it'll really make you laugh. Now at the same time and for this week at the IFC is Margaret Brown's The Order of Myths. It's an extraordinary documentary about Mardi Gras in her hometown, Mobile, Alabama an exotic centuries-old tradition that pulled her into a rabbit's hole with 370 hours of filming. The first rough cut was eight hours long. Because her family was steeply entrenched in this pageantry, her mother was a Mardi Gras queen in the 1960s, Margaret had unprecedented access to this world from the time the very first Mardi Gras was celebrated in Mobile in 1703 to 2007 where it is still a racially segregated event. I was fortunate to have first seen this visually extravagant yet quietly insightful Mardi Gras meandering at the Sundance Film Festival during the last of its sold out screenings and I left that theater with those colorful grotesque mask images seared into my brain for days. I missed the much talked about Q&A that included several characters from the film But I did get to see it again at the IFC's documentary series Stranger Than Fiction this past April. And Margaret has been very busy getting this film around to other festivals. She recently won the Cinematic Vision Award at Silver Docks Documentary Film Festival in Silver Spring, Maryland. I caught up with her just the other day after her weekend appearances for the Filmmaker Q&A's after the evening screenings. Our conversation took us along the rim of the rabbit hole that documentary filmmakers almost always get sucked into and how she was able to get 1 hour and 20 minutes of story out of 370 hours of shot footage. My feeling when I saw the film, both first and second time around, is its balance along this fine line that could have swayed in either particular point of view. Instead, it takes you by the hand and lets you see what's there and you make your own assertions. See for yourself. Listen in as Margaret talks about her work and where she's going from there. The Order of Myths is still playing at the IFC Center this week. So if you have a chance, go see it. Enjoy the show. was there Friday at the IOC Center. Your show was sold out for the eight o'clock. And I don't know what happened with the 10 o'clock because I didn't stay there. So what happened this weekend?
1: Yeah, we, um, we, it was our opening weekend in New York and the film did really well. And I don't know, I think we had, we were hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It got some great reviews. So I think that really brought people out. It was, it was great. It was, sort of surreal.
0: <laughs> I know how they do it at the IFC. They let people stand outside online and mm. other people see that there's kind of a buzz that's seeing what's yeah. going on here. Yeah. So did you get that excitement though with the Q&As? I mean, how did that yeah, go? Yeah, I mean,
1: it was a great experience and we had, for Friday night at least, we had three of the people in the film who, like two of whom flew up from Mobile, Alabama, where we shot, to do the Q&As with me and that's always great because people really want to hear from them, so that was it was great to have them.
0: Who is that? Because I know I saw the film in uh, Sundance, and I know you had a few people coming up there. So who came up this time?
1: This time it was Joseph and Stephanie, who are the queen and king of the black Mardi Gras, and Britton Youngblood, who is a debutante in the white Mardi Gras, and they were all up there with me.
0: How'd they do with the audience?
1: Well, the film is about Mardi Gras in Alabama, and it focuses a lot on how there's a separate white and black court that it's still segregated there. The film also is not, it's not supposed to be like, Oh, look at the South. How weird is the South? It's, you know, these segregation and racial tension exists everywhere. But I think some of it was maybe a little bit like holier than thou, like, oh, in New York, we don't have these things or something. And I don't know, Joseph and Stephanie to like think about because I think people who come from different places have, see it with different eyes. And, and I sort of made it that way where I wanted it to be sort of this open thing where the film doesn't like hit you with a sledgehammer about my viewpoint but it's a it's sort of a, a verite presentation of a year in the life of a city
0: Well you're from Mobile. Right,
1: yeah I mean it's a personal film in many ways
0: Because your grandfather was a part of it also. He oh, was definitely. kind of explaining everything. Did you know a lot of this when you started the film?
1: No I didn't know a lot of it. I definitely got an education about where I'm from and that's part of what was so amazing about making the film is I feel really now a lot more connected to Mobile than I ever did growing up there. I think when I was growing up there, I wanted to get out as fast as I could, but now I kind of want to move back.
0: (laughs) I really thought it was balanced, as you were saying, because I felt comfortable watching both sides. Mm. I thought it worked. It was something that's been going on for a very long time, but Mm. apparently it goes hand in hand with things, and maybe it surprises people, but Mm. I don't know, how does that really work? Well, it's funny, like, we filmed for
1: 370 hours, so the film is an hour and 20 minutes, roughly. I think people got really used to us being around, and I don't know that, maybe, I mean, certain people are like, immediately comfortable with the camera and other people just never get comfortable with the camera and it's really dependent on personality I mean like Stephanie she I felt she had been waiting her whole life for someone to show up with a camera and start filming her like she was so comfortable like she just didn't even she forgot we were there immediately it was interesting and then helen was always sort of reserved and probably more like i would have been not comfortable being on camera
0: helen is the helen's
1: the white queen and stephanie's the black queen but stephanie's also a teacher so she's used to like every day getting up and talking in front of people. So I think that would help. It's funny because both of them have come with me like, you know, different cities in the U.S. and in the U.K. and done Q&As and, and now I think they're both comfortable with that. Although I think Stephanie was nervous before the New York premiere. Do
0: you know the history of all this going back to the 1700s? No. you just know this going on? No,
1: it was more like, this is sort of what happened. My mother was the Mardi Gras queen in 1966 like for the white Mardi Gras. And it's super important in that part of my family like her side of the family. Not so much my dad's side of the family, or not at all on my dad's side of the family. But um, you know, it was always sort of expected of me that I would do that. I would be a debutante, maybe, you know, royalty or whatever. But my mom did it really for her family. Like she wasn't into it. And I started in grad school writing a script about a runaway, kind of reluctant Mardi Gras queen and Everyone, like, during grad school was always like, when are you going to do that script? Because I guess you could feel a real sense of place in it. And I think people were drawn to that sense of the South. And so I went down there after I made the Towns Van's Ant film. I went down there, and that was, like, finished to start researching this project, this narrative, not a documentary. And when I started interviewing people about it, again, kind of got sucked into thinking, wow, this would be a great documentary because there was the people were great, you know, and I was like, Oh gosh, like I'm not, I know I'm gonna I'm gonna make a documentary again. I'm not gonna make a narrative or at least this will be research for the narrative, you know, which I'm sure I'll never make now. But it was just I just felt like this is more interesting, I can't make this up, you know. I'm gonna make a documentary.
0: Never say never.
1: <laughs> no, I'm sure I'll there's always <laughs> things reincarnate in weird ways.
0: Now this world that you brought to us, it's it has like these secret societies and this pageantry and traditions, mm-hmm. I and mean, you said 300 hours, of I mean, 370, how did, yeah, 370, <laughs> almost 400 hours. How did you decide on what to bring to the forefront for us two, to it see? It was
1: hard. Michael Taylor, the first rough cut was eight hours, so, <laughs> and that was before we'd shot everything. But I think really what focused the film was when I found out, like, way after Mardi Gras was over, like a few months after Mardi Gras was over, Michael Simmons and I went back, and we're shooting in Mobile and doing some follow-up stuff, and we knew at that point we were definitely focusing on Stephanie as a character, and we were interviewing her with her grandparents, and who we'd never met. Well, we'd met them, but, you know, formal, like, when we were shooting, setting, like, never really talked to. And during the interview, we were talking about family histories, and her grandfather said that he was descended... His family was descended from the Clotilde, the slave ship that Helen's family brought to the United States in 1859, and Mike and I looked at each other, and and we knew we had a film. You know, the film is so much about tradition, like the word tradition, and what that can mean, and how it can be good and bad, and, and, and also, like, pride in tradition, but then also how tradition can be harmful, and people use it as a word to, like, excuse things that maybe shouldn't be, but there's also a lot of beauty in tradition, the complications of this, you know, and so... I knew that would focus the film in a way that we'd sort of been looking for and had not found yet.
0: I think that was a great focus, and you won the cinematic vision at uh, Silver Docks this year.
1: Yeah, that's cool. I never won anything except, like, honorable mention, like, on the swim team, so it was
0: good. How was that audience uh, compared to Sundance or compared to New York? Because that's the Washington, D.C. area, and I lived there for Mm -hmm. 10 years, Mm -hmm. and not far from there, they had considerable racial tension.
1: It was definitely a heated Q&A, probably the most of any of them. Yeah, it was, but I, I mean, I like it. I want the film to, I want it to bring up, I think it's hard to talk about some of the issues in the film, particularly about race, you know, maybe also about class and how women's identities are formed through, like, being a debutante, but I think race in america is like a thing you know with obama this year that is a hot topic and i think it's hard for some people to talk about it. and i think the film gives you a way to focus and talk about it and so if people if it just opens discussion whether i think that would be really the goal
0: How is it taken in uh edinburgh that's right. another yeah. part of the world now it's yeah And I was supposed to go to Edinburgh because it was supposed to be in August and then they switched it this year to June, so were you out there?
1: Yeah, we went, Helen Mayer came, Joseph Roberson and Stephanie Lucas, we we all came, they flew us out. The people there loved it, it was incredible, like, yeah, it was was kind of shocking. But we also um, got invited to go to a high school class and that was really interesting and talked to the kids about the film.
0: How is your family reacting to the film?
1: My mom and dad came to Sundance, and I mean, they they saw like a million rough cuts in various stages because we cut a lot in Mobile, and I mean, it was super raw and unwatchable, and they watched a lot of that stuff. I think they really love it
0: I think being um, a strong woman director writer producer this is not a woman's film by any means but I think it's great to show that side of it through your eyes mm-hmm.
1: well it's funny like what you say about it not being a woman's film because it sort of started based around Britain like she was the person that she was my first character that I knew because I knew she'd be great because she's sort of a similar background that I have she went to Brown I went to Brown. She like definitely had liberal ideas in a place that's not very liberal and was willing to talk about them in sort of opposition to maybe a mainstream there and she's not afraid to say what she thinks and sometimes be judged for that and I think that's been hard for her in the film because what people don't understand watching it sometimes is maybe she's just that it takes courage to do that even if it's not always what people want to hear. It's still like she's saying what she thinks. And um, I was really interested when I started the film about, it was sort of more about like, I guess, women's topics, which is um, being a debutante is is basically saying you're like sort of fatted up for marriage. It's being introduced into society to say, here I am, I'm ready now. And And I thought that was really interesting. And what does it mean to do that still today? So the film didn't really go there. But that was definitely one of the ideas I had going in that sort of didn't I mean, it's definitely there in the movie for sure, but it's not focused on as much as I thought it would be when I started. And And the only rule I had really for when this film started was like, I'm just gonna follow what happens because the last film I made, Be Here to Love Me, was about Van's aunt who's who died before I started making the movie. And I knew what there's a trajectory there that's already in place. But for this, it was an event, Mardi Gras 2007, who knows what's gonna happen. And so there was a certain amount of unknown that was exciting that we're going to have to piece this film together from what actually is.
0: And you had someone else here because you showed the film at Stranger Than Fiction. Yeah,
1: yeah, that was great. Britton, she came to that with me and then she'll be in Mobile next weekend and she was also here for the New York Theatrical. So
0: you've gone to certain festivals that really made an impact, Sundance of course being the premiere and then going on to some other ones i'm not really sure you went to south by southwest
1: south by southwest um the la film festival true false is a great festival you know silver docs
0: this was part of your frame. strategy
1: yeah i mean i wanted to go to the top documentary festivals and the, the festivals across the country that i think are really strong and you know i'm from austin and i love south by southwest and that's fun. when I do next.
0: And where are you going next with this? Uh, well, the I... film
1: is doing its theatrical rollout now, and we're showing it in Mobile on Thursday, which we haven't, we haven't shown it there yet, so that's going to be really interesting. And then after that, it opens in L.A., and then it kind of opens across the country.
0: What's next for you, Margaret? What's coming After, after this? this?
1: Yeah. Hopefully, like, a vacation. <laughs> and then I want to do a narrative next, and there's, like, three projects that I'm sort of starting to write and one of them will probably rise to the surface and be the one I do next so yeah I I just think I kind of wanted this film to be a narrative and not a documentary so maybe next time I'll actually make a narrative and not get sucked into the seductive quality of making a documentary which just sort of I don't know I think it changes it can change your life in a profound way and that's probably why I keep getting sucked into them (laughs)
0: I'm looking forward to seeing it again. I'm sorry that I, when I went there, it was sold out. So it's playing this entire week. It's playing this week,
1: and it's probably going to move. I mean, I don't know if it's going to stay there or move somewhere else, but I'm sure it'll also be playing somewhere else in New York beyond this week.
0: Great. Yeah. Right, I'm going to make sure. So your website is? Uh... Um,
1: theorderofmyths.com.
0: And there you can find uh, the dates where it's right. playing and yeah. also photos, Views, and mailing list. Yeah, photos. I did sign up for the mailing list, so mm-hmm. but anyway, I look forward to seeing you again when you come back and uh, we'll uh, we'll hang out at uh, Definitely, at Jimmy's. Definitely. Cool. We'll hang out for a drink and we'll talk more about the film and what's going on. Awesome. All right. Cool. All right, thanks. Sure. Okay. There you have it. Order of Myths is a brilliant examination of the different layers that go on in a documentary. It's also been skillfully brought out by editor Michael Taylor. One aspect that Margaret did bring up was how the debutante ball continues to exist Despite its origins, the meaning that young women were shown off to potential husbands, that they are ready for marriage in its present state. Is it mostly a festive celebration, pomp and circumstance, or queen for a day? Do young women continue to go along with the program as expected? How many women have done something like this at some point in their lives beyond the generic prom or homecoming? I'll have a discussion board set up for this question and look forward to hearing what anyone has to say about it. Go to filmfestivalreviews.com and have your say on this and other topics that films always have a way of bringing up. All you need is a couple of friends and a glass of wine or two. Until next time...